Yo, 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 what's good? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. Okay, so I know uh, I went, uh, I, I won't say MIA, but I, I didn't record or drop an episode this past week. Uh, I was busy with uh, finals and closing out my semester. If you don't, if you, you guys, if you're a regular listener, you know that I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm also a college student. Uh, but um, so, but if you're, if you don't know, if you're new and so forth, yes, I am a college student. So, I was bearing down on that and finishing that and completing that. Um, but I will tell you this: that I know, like on YouTube and stuff like that, they're like they have like the vlogmas. Well, I'm not gonna be vlogging for you guys, but the whole point of it is like. YouTubers drop like a vlog or video every day for Christmas. So I'm like, literally, I'm going to get you got you guys going to like the next two, three weeks and a half weeks. You guys going to get a lot of content. So, um, to, you know, for, for feel, you know, that like that, that vlog is kind of theme uh, since we're, you know, the holidays and Christmas is literally less than a week away. Um, so shouts out to that. Uh, but I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I uh, hope you guys are ready. I got a, I got a lot I really want to get into. I'm think like literally, and I, I, I'm really consider I might drop like three episodes this week. So you guys gonna hear a lot of my voice. Um, I still, if you can, if you follow me on socials or anything, um, you can see that I, I collaborate with a lot of content creators, and I go on a lot of people's podcasts and streams and youtube videos and so forth so you can tap in with me in that and also you know listen and support me when i do that but here we are uh you know how we you know how we started um this is this is your this is your humble and highly favorite host isaiah kid of the isaiah kid podcast um i'm excited i'm really excited we're 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 getting we got a mixture of like the world cup final was great it's awesome um i'm gonna dabble i want to that World Cup made me a little bit more fascinated with the sport. So that was interesting. But obviously, we got some – we got we got playoff time, crunch time in the NFL coming around the corner. Uh, we got bowl season, uh, the NBA Christmas – NBA Christmas Day matchups and so forth. So, I, like, over the next week or two, like, it's going to be a lot of things that we're going to cover um, and just various topics. So. Shouts out to everybody Listen, Shouts out you guys for continuing to listen and tap in and support me. Greatly appreciate it. So, um, there's a lot of things I really want to start with that kind of missed. But I want to do I want to do a reaction to week 15 because week 15 in the NFL was crazy. There were some really close games. There were some upsets and so forth. So I want to I want to talk about that. There was some big time. There were some notable games that had some big time playoff implications. So I want to I want to I want to touch on that as well. What I do, I want to start with this. Um, And I it, it kind of this kind of feeds into my point about week 15. The notorious bad teams in the league, what I'm noticing with the NFL and, and, the, and the trend the notoriously bad teams, like when we think of hard, like, you know, like just teams that just aren't good, like the Jaguars, the Lions, they are ascending 
Like we're wa- like we're literally watching. I wasn't a huge fan of Dan Campbell when he got hired in Detroit, but we're literally watching the Lions. Like they have an identity. They're really good offense. Like uh the the offensive coordinator Ben Johnson for the Lions is probably going to be one of the hotter names in terms of coaching candidates in the next coming years. What he does with this offense is pretty. It's pretty spectacular. Um, you look at what the Jaguars are doing uh, with Doug Peterson. They got a big-time signature win over the Cowboys. Like I said, I'm going to talk about it. But, like, you see Trevor Lawrence is clearly, clearly separating himself from the rest of his draft class. I would say it, it seems true that, like, hey, like, okay, Zach Wilson flamed out. We still really don't quite know with Trey Lance. Uh, Justin Fields is also finding his niche. But, like, we're seeing, we're watching Trevor Lawrence put it all together, really. Um, so, that like, that's amazing to see. But my point is, even the teams that we look at as, like, bottom feeders in the league, they can go and play with anybody, anybody, literally anybody. It can be Kansas City. It can be Dallas. It can be Buffalo. Like, these teams – they can go play and beat anybody in any given Sunday. And I know, like, that's kind of, like, cliche, but, like, no. Like, the bottom feeders, who aren't really bottom feeders no more, like, Jacksonville 6-8, and eight, Detroit is 7-7. Seven and seven. Detroit is well within the playoff hunt. Uh, Jacksonville is – their playoff hopes are still alive, but they're kind of playing with house money. So, like, they're just, they're just playing freely. And you can just tell, like, every Sunday, like, they are giving – a lot of these teams are getting hell from these bottom feeder, uh, really average teams that we we look at. Like, we don't – you know, we don't look at Jacksonville as a playoff contender, right? Uh, Detroit started off one and six, but that that, that one and six record was so funny because they, like, they lost a lot of close games. First seven games, they lost a lot of close games. So, like – you just look at some of these teams like they can play with anybody. What one thing, and I, I this kind of feed this is gonna gonna take a loophole right here. Uh, how in the hell do you explain the season for the Cardinals? I wanna. This is this is me. This is me shifting because I'm talking about bad teams, and granted, the Cardinals they don't have the worst record in the NFL. But I've been really I like I, you guys know I talked about Kyler Murray and the contract situation all summer, um, and you know I I just been really really paying attention to this Cardinals organization now GM Steve Keim, he's he, he's taking uh medical he's taking time off for medical reasons and I hope he gets well because the job is pretty tolling, but damn I'm looking at the situation for the Arizona Cardinals and I'm looking at the year. Just the calendar year of 2022, and like, what the hell has happened with this franchise? It's a it, it, like to describe this season. It's literally one word: a disaster. It's a disaster. It's a disaster, and with that, I'm like, they signed Kyler Murray this big deal. They extended Cliff Kingsbury. They extended. Their GM Steve Kime. But in the grand scheme of all of this happening, they they have had a crazy year. They've had a crazy year. 
So how do you like? And in a lot of people's suggestion is like, hey, you fire Cliff Kingsbury. And I mean, I'm like, hey, I, I, I've I've had my doubts about Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I I think at best he's a mediocre coach. I don't think he's I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's at best mediocre. But let me run down like a like a timeline for you, because like literally. The full calendar calendar year of 2022, the Cardinals have just been in front of like front. They've been front page news. So here we go, February, early February, right? I think right out to the Super Bowl actually. Kyler wipes out, erases, deletes, cleans out his IG of any Cardinal stuff. No, so that was like that was like the first sound. Like, oh, okay, maybe Kyler wants an extension. Kyler Murray is looking for extension. Well, that following month in March, the Cardinals gave an extension to, as I said, GM Steve Kahn and Cliff Kingsbury. The weird, a lot of people questioned the extension uh, or extending Cliff Kingsbury because it's like, okay, he got one more year left on his deal. It was a bit surprising. You're gonna give him extension, but and there's been numerous mistakes made by both, like by but like. Steve Kime, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. We all know Steve Kime got the extension because you know they they he you know he dragged the Kyler Murray and the DeAndre Hopkins straight. Like that's been the notable; those been the key two notable big time moves that he's made. That is like ultimately like you know so okay cool. But Cliff Kingsbury is what like we know why he got the job. He has a good relationship with Kyler Murray. And within taking this job, along with Kyler Murray, the first three years up until this year, they have grown and they were a playoff team last year. They were a playoff team last year. Like I said, it was a bit surprising that they gave Cliff Kingsbury the extension. But hey, like I said, mistakes have been made by both of them. But okay, you backed them. The Cardinals are backing them. Then in May... DeAndre Hopkins gets a suspended, he gets suspended for six games due to PED use, right? And if you remember correctly, the Cardinals season last year didn't end so well, didn't end so pretty. They they had an embarrassing playoff loss to the eventual Super Bowl champions. It's a Super Bowl champion, so it's like, but DeAndre, there was no DeAndre Hopkins. And their offense looked a mess. They couldn't move the ball. So, in May... D-Hop gets suspended for the first six games due to PED use. They look, they look really, they look anemic offensively without D-Hop. So you can imagine that this six-game stretch would be tough. It was. Then that same month, they traded for Hollywood Brown, gave up a first-rounder. I don't know why. Now, I know why they traded for Hollywood Brown because he played with Kyler. They got a pretty good connection. And also, they needed another receiver while Diop was out, right? But they gave up a first-rounder for Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown hasn't really done much this year. He, he hasn't really done much this year. Hasn't been worth a first. So they gave up a first-rounder for Hollywood Brown. They thought, you know, him and Kyler, good connection. They played at OU together. And then they needed another receiver. They needed more depth at the receiver position. Okay. Then July. July comes. They give Kyler Murray the bag. Five-year extension, $160 million guaranteed contract. But they had a homework clause that then got presented to the media. Then they got killed for it. 
and then it got taken off. Okay. Then multiple times this year, Kyler Murray has multiple times throughout the year walking off the field, helmet off, yelling at Cliff Kingsbury at the top of his lungs. Then late November, <laughs> late November, offensive line coach, he gets fired due to groping a woman in Mexico City. That's pretty intense and nasty. Okay. And then not this Monday. But last Monday, Kyler Murray tore his ACL. And now we're here. So, a lot. A lot, right? And it's like, what the hell do you do with the Cardinals? i tell you this. Kyler Murray, his, like, looking at his trajectory for the first three years, it was awesome. It was pretty, it was, like, he looks, he looks like he was trending in the right direction. Each year, year by year, in his first three years, you saw an increase in his numbers and not just individually, statistically, but also the team, it correlated. With his numbers being better, the team won more games. You saw that year one to year two to year three. It was like they were like substantial jumps. This year, it's been the opposite. This year, they have been nothing but drama. Kyler Murray has kind of alluded to. Kyler Murray has kind of like been a part of this. And I've always have said this about Kyler. I think as a talent, he's really good. He's a good talent. But I think he he has like a like a me instead of like the we kind of mindset. Like he has that base. It's, I don't know if it's a baseball quality where it's like, you know, he's it's about him a little bit. It's it's like it's about Kyler Murray. There's been teammates that said former teammates that come on and say, hey, like. Kyler, Kyler's for himself. He's about him. And I, I, I always get on Kyler Murray about his body language and so forth. But I think it's very easy just to say, oh, fire Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, you fire Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, you, you hired Cliff Kingsbury, not because of his resume and his resume was so, you know, illustrious, illustrious. No, you hired Cliff Kingsbury because the relationship he, he recruited Kyler Murray out of out of high school like there's a relationship there there there's a connection there and we're already talking about how Kyler is kind of flaky as a personality as a flake kind of like a flaky personality you know so you hire Cliff Kingsbury but now you're like a lot of people like you gotta fire Cliff Kingsbury and, I, and like I said I think Cliff Kingsbury at best is an average coach I think he's average at, at, at times, I've seen him get schematically out schemed and so forth, and just I, I've seen him be out coached thoroughly at times, right? I don't think he's necessarily a bad coach, but I, I think he's just mediocre, and I think he has a limitation. He has a, he has a ceiling, right? I don't think he's a great coach, but you fire Cliff Kingsbury. In the event of you firing Cliff Kingsbury, I know there's one probably there's one really really good coaching candidate on the market that's Sean Payton. If the Chargers, let's just say the Chargers fired their guy Brandon Staley, who do you what what situation what team do you think Sean Payton's going to choose? You think he's going to choose the smaller quarterback that's now been banged up every year of his career and now has a serious knee injury and who in a in a, in a quarterback who severely needs to be mobile 
Or do you or do you think he's gonna choose six five, six six Justin Herbert with those offensive pieces, with those players on defense and offense on both sides of the ball? The Cardinal situation, the Cardinal job, it looked a lot better last year than it does this year. And a lot of that has to do with Kyla Murray, with the ascension of Kyla Murray, but now with injuries, personality, flaky personality. There's some red flags there. <laughs> the Cardinals are kind of stuck with his contract. It's like the job is it, it from a year ago, a year ago from now, that Cardinals job look very like it looks less appealing it looks less appealing and now you have a Kyler Murray who's gonna be coming off a torn ACL injury torn ACL injury he's a quarterback that needs his mobility his mobility makes him special him being able to make these plays outside the pocket these throws outside the pocket him being able to get outside the pocket in a, in a lewd pressure that that's what made Kyler Murray special that is probably going to be limited due to his knee injury. The Cardinals have to build around that, and he's a smaller quarterback, so he's not like so. Like, there's a lot of things going against him. So you ask yourself: if the Chargers, if in the event that the Chargers were to fire Brandon Staley and Sean Payne had a choice, had an option to choose between the Arizona Cardinals situation or the Chargers situation. I think it's clear as day that he would probably lean with the Chargers in the Justin Herbert job. I think that's fair to say. What the hell do you do with the Cardinals? <laughs> All right, so I know I told you guys um, I wanted to get into some Week 15 reactions. Just uh, give you my thoughts on some of the some of the bigger games. Like I said, Week 15 was crazy. We got some. We had some wow. A lot of close games. Um, some games that had some obviously had some playoff implications and so forth, but also just crazy finishes and outcomes. And I I want to start with this particular game because it won't it won't really take me too long um to really dissect. But I want to get to the finish of the Patriots Raiders game, and I I really don't understand. First, New England started off this game really really bad, like. Um, they like that. It's it's funny. Like the Raiders all year have played. I mean, like in the first half, they 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 get out to really good first halves. They really start the game off really well. They 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 create a cushion, a good lead, and they just absolutely collapse in the second half. And that was a similar story here with the Patriots in this Patriots game where they got off to a really good start. They were up seventeen to three. Um, by halftime, it was like that was halftime score seventeen to three. Uh, New England got off to a really rough start, and we already know New England offensively. They're just they're they're very hard to watch. They're they're very hard to watch. And I'm gonna get to the finish of this this game. I don't know it, and you guys know I have been really really critical of Bill Belichick, and you know basically telling you guys, I think we you are seeing a defensive minded head coach in Bill Belichick who has failed to adapt with the times that the sport has moved into, and he has no feel for offense. 
Like there's no type of feel or sensibility for offense or no awareness, like lack thereof, where with 30 seconds left in regulation, you have to drive down the field. Why not just play for overtime? The Patriots, like this game meant a lot for the Patriots because like they're still in, they're very much in the hunt, in the playoff hunt, in the playoff race. They're playing against the Raiders who all year have wet the bid in terms of, you know, losing leads and just have found a lot of ways and invented new ways to lose football games. Well, what do you know? The Patriots invented a new way to lose a football game and probably in my estimate, in all the years that I've been watching football, probably the dumbest and craziest way to lose a football game, a lateral interception. Now you already know the pay. We are like, you guys know this. And this is where, I, I, I try to really get my Patriot fan, because I got a lot of people that, li- a lot, you know, a lot of you guys love the Patriots. You guys are fans of the Patriots, and you guys are fans of Bill Belichick, and you guys get mad at me when I constantly and continuously talk about the Patriots in this form and fashion, but there is no feel for offense whatsoever. And we can say he's Bel- Belichick is just trying to, He's trying to make do with what he has. Well, think about it. Belichick is the guy that's drafting. Belichick is the guy that's in charge of drafting and signing guys. All the transactional things that happen within the roster. Well, you ask yourself, okay, you're saying you're trying to make a, you know, you're trying to give a reasoning. Okay, he's trying to make up for what he has. He's trying to make do for what all the talent he has. Well, who's in charge of getting that talent? It's Belichick himself. So... I'm, I can't give him that pass that he's just he's just trying to do the, his best job with the talent he has. Well, that's the thing. The Patriots have failed in drafting offensive talent. They have like their scouting department has been shredded into pieces, and they have ultimately failed to draft well, or not even just well, but like they they just do they just do a horrible job in terms of offensive personnel in the actual positions that matter in 2022 football. Like they they fail at it. They they don't they don't click. There's no playmakers and the same thing goes for free agency. There's no playmakers. They move off playmakers it, on, on, literally on both sides of the football. So th- you know, I think this finish versus the Raiders and the way how they lost the Raider game, I think is a further point an example of how anemic and how bad they look offensively. They got a BB gun offense. They have a BB gun offense. And they have a defensive coordinator calling plays and masquerading as the offensive coordinator. Mind you, Matt Patricia wasn't the greatest defensive coordinator. So, you know, Bill said, hey, it don't matter. It's football, right? Yeah, we can just take out defensive coordinator, yeah, who has struggled. But we'll take him and he can call plays for our offense. And then you have Mac Jones, a young quarterback, who he has his own set of limitations. And we all know, like, Mac, he isn't Mahomes. He isn't Josh Allen. He's not uh, Herbert. He's not these young, really talented guys. He, he's not even Trevor Lawrence, right? So you look at Mac Jones, he has his own set of limitations. And I, a part of me kind of feels for Mac Jones because I'm like, I don't. I don't necessarily think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. Like I said, I think he. I think he. He has a high floor. I don't think his ceiling is that high. But I look at New England. I'm like Mac. 
he's accurate. I mean, he doesn't. He's not the most athletic guy. Doesn't have the biggest arm, but you look at what he has to work with in terms of receivers and playmakers, and the offensive line isn't even as good. It just like it's hard for me to really criticize and crucify Mac Jones when I look at some of the coaching staff and some of the decisions personnel-wise that's being made. And it's like, the, I think it's clear that the Patriots are not as buttoned up as they once were. Years ago with with Tom, like when they were winning Super Bowls, the Patriots, you could rely on the Patriots being the most buttoned up and the most disciplined team. And that right there, that the way how they lost that Raider game, that was probably the dumbest way I've seen a team lose a game. That was probably the dumbest play I've ever seen. And I think some of it is I think some sometimes players try to go hero ball. Um I think uh, I think but I think a lot of it is it's it show it's it's really indicative of what I've been talking about for some time now with Belichick lacking some type of like offensive sensibility. It, it it proves my point. It proves my point. With that, with that offense, with that personnel offensively, you you're not gonna go down the field. You're not gonna march down the field 60, 70, 80 yards in 30 seconds with that, with that, with that personnel offensively. You play for overtime. You play for overtime and, and you know, you, you take your chances overtime. You still got playoff hopes. You take your chances overtime. I just don't understand. The lateral thing, and usually a lateral like that type of play, usually starts off with a pass, not a run. So it, it, it was just weird. It was just weird, and I think, like I said, furthermore, it just furthers my point about Belichick and offensively, and how the this the feel for offense just isn't there in New England. Just isn't there, and it shows itself on the field. It shows itself. Doing drafting when it's time to draft, um, signing play like it just shows itself. Um, I want to get to we go to the Cowboys losing to the Jaguars, and I'll tell you this: I have I feel two ways about this game. First, it it reassures and it re it reconfirms my issues with the Cowboys. They're not similar to like Cowboys are not disciplined enough. The Cowboys always have talent. Talent's never the issue. But they're not they're just not disciplined enough. I saw a lot of undisciplinedness. Um Mike McCarthy, I still have my issues with him in terms of clock management, play selection. Uh I wasn't a big fan of that last drive of their last drive regulation. After the you know, after their defense forced the fumble and recovered the fumble. I was not a fan of Keller Moore's play calling, but that was really questionable. Um, that pick six to end the game, that wasn't on Dak. That wasn't on Dak, but it kind of shows you some of the Cowboy weaknesses. First, when teams decide to double C.D. Lamb, who who's had a really, really good season, when teams decide to double C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup is not the same Michael Gallup before his injury. Michael Gallup has severely, severely underperformed. Um, and it makes the Amari Cooper move looks look even more questionable. So given the fact that when teams want to double CD Lamb, given the fact that Michael Gallup isn't the same Michael Gallup, 
by virtue default, Noah Brown is your second option in crunch time. And I don't just I just don't know how that fares. So I have I think my issue with the Cowboys is more like coaching. It's more coaching and culture. I have my questions about Mike McCarthy. I have my questions about Keller Moore in the play selection. Granted, the defense didn't have the best day to defense. The, the the one knock on this defense that you can make all throughout the year is they can't stop the run. And that was shown versus Jacksonville. They gave up almost 200 yards on the ground. I think they gave up 192 to be exact versus Jacksonville. That really showed itself on his head. And then, I mean, but ultimately, I don't want to make it seem like, hey, the Cowboys, like, no, 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 no. I think the Cowboys, this is like one of those trap games where they got a big-time division game coming up this 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 upcoming week and I think I think they got caught looking ahead. I think you know they had a 17 point lead in the third quarter and I think they got caught looking ahead. Ultimately, I look at this team. I'm like, okay, they got caught looking ahead. They made the they they clinched the playoff spot with Washington losing to the Giants and I think I'm I'm going to get to that too. But I want to go to the to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is emerging into what we all thought he that, that he would be, we, like he's blossoming, like, and I would I wouldn't even say slowly over this past month. I would say, um, he's, like this past this month this month stretch that he's been on has been awesome, and and it's correlating not just his individual stats, but then it's correlating with team success. Jacksonville is finding their niche. Jacksonville is finding their groove. They got they got some talent. They're playing with, you know, they're in the quote unquote playoff hunt, but they're playing with us. They're playing with house money. They're playing with house money. Doug Peterson has done a really good job with this, with this monster. Uh, but I think a lot of this is like, hey, like Jacksonville, Trevor Jacksonville had them a guy. They have them a guy, and he is clearly, clearly emerging into a star. He's clearly emerging into one of the better quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that we have in this league and materializing into what everybody thought he could be. That's what I'm saying with that's what I'm saying with Trevor Lawrence. Um I think all he's always displayed pretty good leadership skills. Um he's always displayed really good intangibles and so forth. But it this goes to show you coaching matters. Urban Meyer last year, this Jaguar team last year, they were horrendous. And in due part, Trevor Lawrence, we knew I, I like he had a struggle with his rookie year. I mean, what did you expect? He was the number one pick for a reason. This team was picking number one for a reason. Urban Meyer obviously wasn't a good match. Bad culture. Bad locker room. And I always say, no matter how talented you are, sometimes situations got to work out. Sometimes it got to be like, you got to have the right people. Got to have the right culture. Got right to gotta have the right coaching. Coaching matters in this league. And it goes to show you, like, you're, and obviously there's like a progression and a year one to year two jump that we were all expecting to happen with Trevor Lawrence. But I think it's it goes to show you, like, gotta have the right guy. You gotta have the right guy, because no matter how talented Trevor Lawrence is, he couldn't overcome Urban Meyer and just all of the deficiencies that Jacksonville had. Get him a better coach and Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl in this league, who's he he. A brilliant offensive mind, better culture, upgrading some positions. This is what you get. Um, so that's why that's that's how I saw that. Um, 
whatever game. Oh, let me get to. I want to talk about the Giants and the Washington Commanders game. Now I say this, uh, because I know it had a controversy. It had a really, really controversial finish. Obviously, it was pass interference on that last play. Obviously, that was a missed call. But Washington talent, just talent wise, they they have a better roster than the Giants. And I thought they had, I thought there was multiple times where Washington could have won the game and should and should have probably won the game. Now, granted, that doesn't take away from the missed call being missed, and it was an egregious miss. So I, I want, I just want to put lay that out there. Like that was an egregious missed call by the referees and by officiating. But Washington did have multiple, multiple tries. They had multiple at bats, and they couldn't they couldn't get a hit. They had multiple at bats and couldn't get a hit. So, granted, we can point the finger at the officiating, and we can say, "Hey, like they blew a big call," which they did. But Washington had many bites at the apple. Um, I say this about the Giants and Brian Dayball. I've been saying this for some time now. The Giants with with Brian Dayball. This is this is once again another co- uh, another really good coaching job that we're witnessing with the Giants. The Giants have no business being eight five and one, the sixth seed in the NFC. They in the NFC playoff picture. They have no business. I mean, we we can point out some of the coaching jobs around the league that we're watching with. You know, Nick Sirianni, they're pro- the Eagles are probably going to win 14, 15, maybe even 16 games. Um, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, he's had three different quarterbacks. He's going to end up winning 12, 13 games. Um, we can we can point out so many different coaching uh, jobs that have been that that been really well. But I think Brian Dayball and Dan Campbell. Um, and most, I would say Brian Dayball. I'm leaning towards Brian Dayball because I just look at this Giants roster, and it's it's Saquon Barkley and guys, just guys. I mean, the 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 absolute job, and that's that's really how you can identify that. If you've been watching the Giants and following the Giants this year, first half of the season, Saquon Barkley looked like he was well on his way to having a. I mean, and he still is going to have a great year, but like. He was just the Giants' end all, be all, and it still is. I mean, you saw that that drive, that the drive that got them, the the that extended their lead to eight points. He he was he was the offense. He was the offense. They were going to run the football. Everybody in the stadium knew it. They still couldn't stop it. And with Brian Dayball, I mean, <laughs> this is a roster with not a lot of premium guys. Like they don't have a lot of premium talent. That's just a fact. Like you look at Philadelphia and Nick Sirianni, you look at Kyle Shanahan. Granted, Kyle Shanahan was dealt a bad a bad hand in terms of health, especially at the quarterback position. But you look at that Niners roster, all up and down that roster on both sides. There's premium talent. There's Hall of Fame talent. There's Hall of Fame talent all over that roster. Similar situation with the Eagles. The Eagles talent talent on both sides of the football. There's premium talent. With the Giants, there is not a lot of premium talent. There is Saquon Barkley, um, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was drafted and had a really big night for the Giants on Sunday night, had a, had a huge night for the Giants. Outside of that, there is not a lot of premium talent on the Giants. They don't have a bunch of just pro bowlers walking around. 
it's a, it's it's they have a they have a lot of guys compiled. They have a team. Most of their team is compiled of guys that are average, and they are playing a little bit above their heads. And a lot of it has to do with coaching, and the coaching from Brian Dayball. So I think it's I think it's remarkable. You look at the Giants; they have been over the last half decade. They've averaged four wins uh, per year. They've averaged if you if you average out their wins over the last four years, they're averaging four wins on a season. So, granted, at best, they have doubled their win count this year at eight. They're eight five and one. I think they if they win one more game, it's probably it's damn near guaranteed that they have a playoff spot. You look at this Giants team; they have no absolute damn business being in a play, being like being in a playoff game, playing in a playoff game. But Don, Brian Dayball has done a hell of a job, hell of a job, I must admit. A hell- and lastly, I say this about um, week fifteen and so forth, because uh, as I told you guys, I'm I'm gonna do. Three episodes for you guys this week. I'm going to try to upload three episodes. Obviously, this will be the first one, my Week 15 reaction. Um, and maybe I'll dedicate an episode to breaking down each team's quarterback situation and so forth or looking into what team's going to be in the quarterback market this upcoming offseason. But speaking of quarterbacks, to like I said, to lastly conclude my reaction to week 15 of everything, which was a crazy, like, honestly, if you think about it, like a, generally a crazy week in sports um, with the world cup, um, NBA, even and obviously the NFL crazy week in sports. But I'll say this. When you watch the performances of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, I'm thinking about the AFC playoff picture and no, because I think in my opinion, those are going to probably be the top three seeds. Now, whether Cincinnati's the one seed, um, Mahomes, Kansas City, like whatever. You think about their performances first. You see Josh Allen in a, in a snowstorm. That last draft was absolutely masterful. And for me, I have like I'm not gonna say a love hate thing about Josh Allen. I don't I don't hate him, but I he does make some some head scratching decisions. And I think some of it is like you know he has a lot of faith in his talent. But I think some of it I think another half of that is like Buffalo they 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 like they require so much from Josh Allen. It's like he feels like he has to make a play. But that last drive uh, was phenomenal. That that like that was phenomenal, and and, and this is where like it kind of shows itself on the head. Where Tua, he's having a good season, and I you know I had my thoughts about Tua. You guys, you know, I I think Tyreek Hill is an instrumental part, and Mike McDaniel is an instrumental part of why we've been looking at Tua and how and why Tua been looking this way. And I give Tua his props. Tua played pretty well given the conditions. Um, I thought when the snow started to really come down, you could start to see, like, the uneasiness. But for the most part, Tua played – he played better than what I thought he would play in these conditions. But Josh Allen and Tua, you saw the difference. You saw the difference. There's a gap. There's a gap, right? Like, it showed itself. And that's that's typically what a playoff game would probably look like. Miami, oh, honestly, Miami, for a team that plays in Florida, they handled that weather in that in those conditions pretty well. 
And I would say game planning wise, like Miami didn't have a bad game. I thought Miami played it pretty well, but Josh Allen just took over. And like Josh Allen just took over and he was masterful in the last drive. Um, we already know about the physical traits and things that he has that he possessed, but also like masterful last drive. You look at Mahomes. Um I mean just Mahomes, <laughs> I don't even know what you say about this guy anymore. I don't even know what you say about this guy. He is uh absolute magician. I think aside from his physical traits, his feel for the game might even be the like one of the like his because the physical traits obviously are there. The throwing ability, the arm, like but the feel, his feel for like the pocket, like it's it's amazing and incredible to watch. And you just look like you just think about like leading up to the season, all the chatter that was happening about the AFC West. And I admit, I thought the AFC West would be a really good division. But but damn, <laughs> doesn't this kind of remind you of like those Patriot, like the Patriots with Tom and Belichick, where in terms of the division, you look at the division like. You look at the AFC West. You got the you got the uneasiness of Brandon Staley and the Chargers front office and so forth. And Herbert's great, but we're still not sure about Brandon Staley as a head coach, right? We're, we're just still not sure. Uh, the Raiders and Josh McDaniel. Who knows what the quarterback situation looks like next year? Then you, you, you take it into account what the hell is going on in Denver, Colorado. Like, what the hell is going on with the Broncos, new ownership, bad contract, looking like one of the worst trades in re- recent memory with Russell Wilson. So it's just like, wow, like, this division really went – these teams went really went all out. And Kansas City won yet again their seventh straight division title. And Mahomes in November and December and January throughout his career is awesome. He's damn he's damn it good. And then I look at Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, they played one of the worst first halves that I've seen from them and in this doing throughout this like one of the worst first halves. They came out super flat. They let Tampa Bay get a 17, uh, what, a 14-point lead. Like, super flat first half. And then in the second half, it clicked. It sparked. And that offense, granted that, you know, they their defense forced some turnovers. Tampa Bay kind of gave turnovers away, too. <laughs> it was a little bit of both. But so in part of that, their offense didn't have to drive. They didn't have to go on long drives, but. Man, you look at the poise and the confidence and the comfortableness about Josh Allen. It's, I mean, about with Joe, with Joe Burrow, it's impressive. I think with Allen, we marvel all over like his physical traits. I think with Mahomes, similar, but Mahomes feel the way it looks, the dominance that we love it. And then with Joe Burrow, he has a he has a swagger and just a confidence. About himself, no matter what's what, what the score of the game is, you can just tell like he's gonna be he's gonna play the same game, calm, cool, collected. He's gonna be the same. He's gonna he's gonna be the same Joe Cool. Um, it, it's gonna be really interesting to see how this playoff race plays out because both Buffalo and Cincinnati beat Kansas City, 
uh, Cincinnati, they got a really tough stretch. They got to go at New England. They got to play Buffalo um, on Monday, you know, Monday night, uh, a couple, I think like a week from now, or a couple weeks from now. And they got to finish out with Baltimore. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see who gets the number one seed um, and, you know, who's able to lock up home field advantage. But I thought those three quarterbacks, their, their play this on week 15, it really showed like that's that's the difference between a good quarterback, two is good. You know, two is good. He's a good quarterback. But you see the difference between a Tua and a Josh Allen. You see the difference between a Dak and a Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying you got to have one of these guys to win a Super Bowl. It certainly helps. You can win a like you can you can win a lot of games with Dak uh, and, and Tua. You can win a lot of games with those guys. And those are good quarterbacks. But Mahomes, Allen, just on a different set, stratosphere. Jo- I mean, Joe Burrow, he is slowly moving himself and separating himself from the rest of the pack, too. So, like I said, um, those are just my closing thoughts on the on week 15. Like I said, three episodes coming this week. Uh, obviously, we'll do our weekly, like, top 10 list at some point. Probably, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not going to ensure that, but... We'll do it at some point in one of these few episodes that I'm going to give you guys this week. Um, Always remember two choices, one decision. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I really enjoyed it. Welcome back. I can't wait to give you guys an upload, triple upload for this week. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Peace, deuces, I'm out.